All right. The kids are gone. Deep breath. Some of you come just for this 30 minutes every Sunday. The kids upstairs and somebody else watching them, loving them, pouring into them. Uh, We're very thankful for that. We just finished up this series on Galatians uh, with a subheading called Freedom Through Christ. And uh, in that, we uh, spent some time learning, understanding what that means. What it means to not be under bondage, not to be bondage to sin, bondage to the penalty of sin, bondage to the power of sin, bondage to the the feeling of I've got to continually try to be good enough to please God. Like we're not under, and we don't feel that, we don't have to carry that, we don't have to carry that burden anymore. And this is exactly what Jesus told them when they were trying so hard and they were so worried. He said, oh, you are who are heavy laden. You're carrying a heavy yoke. My yoke is not heavy. Take on my yoke, and this you will find peace and rest, and in this you'll know that I've done it all. I've accomplished it all at the cross. And coming out of that, this, this series, as God's been dealing with my heart, and I shared some things at the end of last Sunday morning. If you missed that series, you can find it on YouTube, Faith Life Podcast. Uh, you can go find it there or on uh, iTunes or uh, other places where you find podcasts, Faith Life Podcast. You can go get caught up. And, and see everywhere we went in that series. Uh, but the question I began to ask myself coming out of is, is where, where do we go from here? With this freedom that we've been given, and we saw in chapter 5 and chapter 6 that you know, he says, don't use this newfound freedom from the law or the, the rules to just go sin all you want. That's not what this is about. He says, actually humbly love one another serve one another in community. And so as we begin to think about what does that look like, and I think about, uh, I don't know if you all uh, have ever thought about a, a mission statement for your life or an organization that you've been a part of, or if you've been at the hospital, or you work at the hospital, you know, their mission statement is on every power, PowerPoint, every screensaver, every sign as you walk through. Everywhere you see, you see their mission. And um, and, and I want to share with you this morning um, a, a couple things about mission and the mission of our church. But again, to say, you know, when we founded our church, there was a certain group of people here, and now there's new people. And so uh, this is going to be a bit of a moment the next few weeks, maybe months, a couple months, where we, we take a real hard look at who we are as a church, not as a building, but as a community of believers, and say, what's our mission? Uh, and I'm going to share with you over these weeks some things that God has placed visions and, and dreams within my heart and within other people of this congregation uh, and, and say, what is the mission of church? But I believe he's going to bring new things out of this next couple months. Reveal to us, what are we really focused on doing and why are we here? Why did God bring us to Main Street? Okay. Three years ago into this space, why did he bring us into Pikeville six years ago? What, what is God doing, not what are we doing? What is he doing? And how do we come along beside him and be a part of that? Uh, I'm reading a great book as I'm, as, I'm, as I'm going into this series called Planting Missional Churches. Um, if you've not read that book, I would encourage you to do it. We're going to order some copies and have it at Faith Life Market um, if you'd like to get a copy of it. 
But he breaks, the, the author, Ed Stetzer, he break, we're going to talk about mission, missions, missional, these kind of things. I'm going to give you kind of the, the breakdown of those three different words and what my heart really is for us as a what God is doing to bring the nations to himself. Uh, this is, we're talking about what God is doing. And, and you find out what God is doing through the Bible, and we're going to spend some time understanding what is God doing actively in our community, in our world at this time. Uh, missions, the word missions relates to mission and refers to the pursuit of sharing and showing the gospel to all corners of the earth. It's really easy for us to think, oh, we're a church, and, and if we were a larger church, we might have a missions department, someone who's a director of missions. And that usually, when you think of missions, what do you think about? Another country. I heard somebody say, you think about another country. You think about, oh, we're fine here. We should send people out there. We should be sending money out there to do things and serve and, and do all these things. And, and, and what we find in the New Testament is that is true, and we find this morning. Uh, but we also find this reality is that the church and every believer should be missional. This really means taking up the posture of a missionary in your very own town, like right where you are. Joining Jesus on mission, learning and adapting to the culture around you while remaining biblically sound. Now, you all have seen churches that have gone, they want to be a part of the culture, but they go way over and just become the culture. Right? Have you seen that? They miss that end part, remain biblically sound. And then you see some who, who refuse to engage and participate with the culture and, and don't change any whatsoever, ever change, ever, ever. Have you seen those? That, like they never change. And like literally you could step out of our culture into their church and think this is a time machine. But we find that, that Paul is able to relate and we're going to go through Acts a lot over the next few weeks. Uh, and we see that Paul is able to relate to the culture and community in which he's in. And there is a connection. As soon as a church loses the heartbeat of the community, it stops being missional. Like if you don't know what's happening outside these doors and you can't relate to people and talk to people and reach the unchurched and people that don't go to church, like I don't know. And you might be able to say, but we're on the Bible uh, but the, the Bible has to be applied to people and related to people. And so missional, this is my heart, that we are a missional church. And I was, as I was reading through his kind of descriptors of that, two things that it says, like, you'll know if as a congregation your church is missional, like maybe, you've, maybe a, a missional church might would start a, a coffee shop in the town. Literally, that's what it said. It, it might do a community center uh, or some kind of uh, like playground or gym in a community. I'm like, oh, okay. So, but but what is what is happening is in this new movement that God is doing in our church, uh, we're reaching new people, and, and when we were able to break out of certain constructs and traditions that are bottled up in existing churches, nothing against existing churches. They're great. They have a role. But there is something powerful God does when he plants and does a new movement and a new action, and, 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 and it reaches new people. New works reach new people. 
And so we're going to do some things uh, over the next uh, few weeks. First, let's, this is our mission statement of the church. It's been this for six years, um, and, uh, and, and this is where we are, spreading the good news of Jesus Christ, equipping believers to become leaders, and then uniting believers to serve our community by demonstrating compassion for our neighbors. This is what we have written down and gave to the IRS and said we are going to do as an organization. Who has given us the authority to do this? When we fill out our Secretary of State form and we say who's the chairman of the elder board and, uh, and they think that whoever's chair of the elder board or maybe the lead pastor has set this vision and given this mission, and it's not the case. Right now, Adam is our chair of our elder board. He is not the head of the church. We do not have the authority as a group to say, all right, let's go do this, and we're going to find today, where does this come from? Why are we here? What are we doing? Let's read this scripture, Matthew 28. A very familiar passage of scripture uh, for many of you. Um, I'll give you a little bit of preview of some topics and things we're going to cover in in the series. One is going to be about personal evangelism, about how to, and it's something I've not always been real comfortable with. How do I, as an individual, share the gospel with friends, neighbors, coworkers, uh, fellow students, uh, how do I share the gospel? How do I spread the good news and tell people about Jesus? Uh, we're going to talk about individual purpose, and, and man, this is a huge hunger in our culture, culture today. Like you, you hear all about the, the millennials in this generation, like they don't even want to make money, they just want to do something good, right? They want to have purpose behind what they're doing, like I don't care if I ever make money. I'll stay at mom and dad's and got some mom and dad saying, yep, I got one. But we're going to say, what is our purpose? Just like we talked about last week, the starter on the lawnmower, and you can't know it until it's connected in relationship. Like, it was doing what it was built to do. But until it was in relationship with the motor, the engine, it could not fulfill its purpose. You cannot fulfill your purpose outside of relationship with Christ. Uh, We're going to look at the disruptive nature of God's mission. Let me tell you, you get into Acts and you see where these new churches and and missionaries were going into, it disrupted culture. Like, it was disruptive. You think the church is not disruptive. It should be a disruptive beast that can't be contained. Like, it should not be supporting status quo. It should not be able to pop into a town or a place and, and only the 10 people that go there know about it. Like, it disrupts things. I'm talking about in Ephesus, there were riots because the church was changing hearts. And because hearts were changing, it was changing culture. And because culture was changing, it was changing people's business models. And because it was changing business models, it was changing their bottom line. And because it was changing their bottom line, they didn't like the church. And they did, I mean, they drug them into the main arena and said, hey, you've you got to stop doing this. And so I'm asking myself, what are we disrupting? Where are the pockets of brokenness that we could set all kinds of programs in place, 
and try to fix. But what if we put a healthy, growing, new movement of a church in those places and disrupted broken families, addiction, any other form of sin you can imagine, the idols we've built around us? How do we disrupt these things? Let's go what Jesus said. Matthew 28, verses 16 through uh, 20, I believe is what we're reading this morning. Uh, this is after, this is the very end of the gospel according to Matthew. Uh, someone's last words are always impactful, right? These are Jesus' last words to his followers, to his disciples. This is after the crucifixion, after his resurrection. This is known as, uh, as is right before his ascension, where he goes back in to heaven. In verse 16, Matthew 28 says, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. That's what Jesus said. And then we get the title of today's message. Therefore, go. He says, I've got all this authority. And then he says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Can I read that again? 19 through 20. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. We're going to take three things out of this, this, this great commission that Jesus gave. Uh, we're going to find our fuel for the mission. What fires this thing up? What keeps it going? What makes it possible? We're going to look at the, uh, uh, the focus of the mission. What are we supposed to be doing? We're going to look at the form of this mission, the, the, the format. How, how is this deployed? How is God deploying this to reach the nations? Let's first look at the, the fuel. As you go back in 28, you're going to find something that makes this possible. Therefore... He says, I've been given authority, therefore go. And so first we see the thing that makes this possible, the thing that makes this all different. And I, I was sharing this with Rosie this week. We were on our way to school, and she's loving I Thank God. Y'all like I Thank God, that song? We're listening to it on repeat again in our home and in our car. And then Emily uh, Addis came to me this morning. She said, we were outside last night uh, or uh, sometime this weekend, uh, and our kids were inside, and they'd been gone like 20 minutes. And y'all know. Y'all know a lot can happen in 20 minutes. When kids have been in the house and you've been outside. And uh, she said, look at this video, what I walked in and found. And, and, it, and she showed me the video, and it was, her, it, it was the kids and three or four cousins uh, and brothers. 
And uh, they were, I mean, shirts off, dancing, going crazy. And I just heard this music blaring. and I couldn't tell what it was. And I thought, man, they're listening to ACDC or something. They're getting, well, no, it was I Thank God. They had I Thank God on repeat on the Alexa dancing to it. But I was sharing with Rosie this song. That, that song says, you, you, you pick me up and turn me around. I met a man I didn't know. And I, I, was, I was telling her, you know, what all this comes down to, like I'm, we're constantly sharing Christian principles and teaching her about things. This all comes down to this thing in Matthew 28, 5 through 6. The angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified, who was dead, is what that means. He is not here. He is risen. Every other question you have about Jesus and the Bible comes down to this. This question, do you believe that verse? Do you believe 5 and 6? He is not here, he is risen. Do you believe he was crucified? And then do you believe he was resurrected? Because if you believe he was resurrected, then you believe he was God, then you believe everything he said, then if you believe everything he said, then, then you, can't, you, you can't just doubt these little pieces of God's word and the Bible and things that Jesus said. Well, uh, it, that means he was God. That means he was not just a good teacher, and you can pick and choose what you like and what you don't like. And in believing that he was resurrected, we find eternal life. And simply having faith in that, that Christ died for us. That he gave his life for us and we believe him. In this, we also find the fuel for our mission. Like what God needs to do and what needs to be disrupted and changed, our shoulders aren't broad enough. We're not smart enough. We don't have enough money. Like we cannot do it on our own. Donald Trump, Joe Biden, nobody's got enough to do it. On their own. The only fuel we can use for the mission is this the, the truth and the authority that comes. Because you know what Christ did? He conquered death. And in that, we find this fuel for our mission. He goes on to say several things Matthew 28, 7. Uh, then go quickly and tell his disciples, He has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I've told you. In 28, 18, he says, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. He is the authority to give us this message, this guidance, this direction. He had been, he had been gone three days. He could have just gone to heaven, taken up his seat at the right hand of the Father, and been like, I did it, here I am. But he said, You know what? I got a message. I got to get back to my people, to my church. I got something they got to do. Right now, they are a chosen people in a time and in a place. And I need to get back to them, and I need to say this. Therefore, go. You've seen what happened. You've been witnesses to my resurrection. Therefore, go and begin to disciple, make disciples of all the nations. Go tell everybody. And then he gives this one promise in eight. Uh, let's talk about 28-21 at the end. He says, well, how, how do I have the confidence to do that, to go? And he says, well, well surely I'm with you always. I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Acts 1-8, if you've never read Acts and you don't know anything about church or the Bible, the book of Acts 
uh, is is a book written by Luke, and it's it's kind of a, it chronicles the early church. It takes where it ended in Matthew twenty eight, this great commission of Christ to the church that picks that up in Acts chapter one, and it recounts what Jesus said to them uh, from Luke's perspective, and it begins to unleash. The early church begins to unleash in Acts what Christ has said. They begin to go and make disciples and baptize and teach, and things start to change. Acts 1.8, it says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, through Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And because those few people, we think it was 11, Because those 11 people went, we are sitting here. On the other side of the earth, 2,000 years later, somebody went and it mattered. And the fuel that they had was not know-how, not strategy, not, not education, not a bunch of money. They had nothing. They were a bunch of fishermen, most of them, from nowhere. They, had no, uh, they were just ordinary, average, everyday people, except they accepted Christ and they went and joined God in his work. The second thing we see is the, the, the focus of this mission. I love this, this first, therefore, go and make. There's a lot of verbs here. Go, make, baptize, teach, obey, uh, teach them to obey. Um, so there's a lot of verbs here, right? But the first two, everything really falls under those first two. And if you really look at the Greek in this, and y'all are just so excited, we're going into Greek halfway through a sermon. It was already boring, and now he's talking about Greek. Therefore, go and make disciples. I've read that so many times, and you think of like that as something you could finish, make a disciple. That sounds like something you could finish, kind of, doesn't it? Like, I'm going to make a disciple. And maybe you're here, and you've been a long-time Christian. You're like, yeah, I met one guy, led him to the Lord, and uh, he's a pretty good Christian now. I did it. I did my great commission. I made a disciple. But if you look at the Greek of this, This is not a verb, make, and a noun, disciple. Now I'm like in literature, like uh, uh, English language constructs. Everybody's really asleep at this point. There's one word. I want to read you what Kenny Bouchard says about it. The Greek word is a verbal command, not a verb followed by a noun. In other words, the text does not say make disciples, like build a house or grill a steak. It does not say to verb a noun. It says simply, disciple, with an exclamation point, maybe all caps, which is like saying, run or jump. Like anytime you go back and read it, it says run or jump. It says disciple. In reality, you can't make a disciple. You can only disciple. So in the Great Commission of Matthew, disciple is not an outcome, like a product that you end up with, but it's rather a process that you are doing. The grammar is not telling us to make an object. There is no noun in the text at all. There's only a single imperative verb, only a command, only an action word, only something to do. 
what is it? It is disciple. It is disciple. The Greek word here, methetio. Y'all love it? When you go look up the definition of it, you know what it says? It says, to be a disciple, comma, to make a disciple. Y'all with me? One word. This is the definition. To be a disciple, comma, to make a disciple. Those things are not inseparable. This is not a call to the pastor of churches. This is not a call to a denomination. This is a call to every believer. If you are going to be a disciple, you are called to make a disciple. You are called to disciple. Found this cool continuum. I Googled. I bet there's a discipleship continuum. There always is. Everything you look for on Google, you'll find it. So be careful. <laughs> What does that mean, disciple? Because people, everyone in here is at some point in your walk with Christ. Some of you are this far left side, you're just exploring Christ. You're like, I, I think I might know. I mean, I believe in God, kind of. I, I'm kind of interested in the Bible. I want to hear more about who he is. And some of y'all have friends like that. And you're, you feel uncomfortable even talking to them. You're scared to talk to them. But it might be saying, I believe in God, but I'm not sure about Christ. My faith is not a significant part of my life. Then you have the next stage where somebody actually steps out in faith, but they're what we call a baby Christian. Right? They, 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 they believe, but man, they don't, have all, they don't understand all the scripture. They don't understand. And you don't have to understand it all to be saved. But, but God calls us to grow in our faith in him to mature as believers in Christ. And so it may be growing in Christ. I believe in Jesus. I'm working on what it means to get to know him. And then maybe you're at the, the stage close to Christ. I, I feel really close to Christ and depend on him daily for guidance. I mean, you got this one person in your office, right, that you know everybody else is like stressing out and they're like just praying and they're all calm and they're okay. And you're like, oh, I'm a Christian too. I should be praying and calm. Right? You, you meet these people who are on different walks in their faith in Christ. And, 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 and so there's somebody that's close to Christ. And then there's like this, 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 I don't say final level, but just the best we can do to kind of to, to map this out. This Christ-centered life where it's like my relationship with Jesus is the most important relationship in my life. It guides every, everything I do. Like this is it. So maybe you could just take a moment and say, man, where, where, where do I fall in this? And maybe you could say, where was I 10 years ago, and I'm, am I in the same spot? And the beautiful thing is, is that if you're, if, if you're a, a young Christian, you're not too young to start talking to people who are exploring Christ. And disciple and sharing the gospel and truth with people. Maybe you're not ready to, to lead a Bible study, but you're ready to serve in some way. We find the focus of our mission is discipleship. Everything else falls under it. New believers get baptized. 
as a church, we're called to start teaching and teaching people the, the, the scripture and the word uh, so that they can grow in their faith and grow in trusting Christ and so that they can become disciples and make disciples. It's called multiplication. This is what a church should be. A, a, a church, uh, nowhere in the New Testament do you find this church who gets a, a certain number of believers and that's content and they're static with that and that's just, we're just going to be this always and, uh, and this is who we are and we're just going to get together every Sunday morning and read some, uh, read some Bible, sing a song and then we'll come back next Sunday. God's church multiplies. If you are a disciple, you are making disciples. The last thing we want to see is the form of our mission. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. While we have individual responsibilities in this, it's important to understand that when he said this, he said it to 11 people at the same time together. And therefore, we see how this mission, how this call begins to take shape in the book of Acts. And it begins to take shape through a thing uh, we know as the local church. The local church in the beginning of the Acts, looks different than what you and I grew up thinking about the local church and whichever denomination was on the door, which one was ever next, next door in our neighborhood, and there was, there was maybe more than one in our neighborhood, and they all had kind of different looks and feels. This is different than what was happening in the early church. But the form of this mission, the way that it plays out, the way that God does it is through the local church a body of believers it's relational it's in community it was given as a communal call what church what the local church is not uh, a club <laughs> yeah i'm a member of uh new beginnings get a pretty good deal get to park on main street sometimes uh you know if i get in a hard spot they uh they'll take care of my electric bill uh if uh, coffee on Sunday mornings, get free coffee, and uh, get a comfortable place to sit. Like it, It's not something you join to get benefits out of. Like, you join clubs to get a benefit out of them, right? That is not what the local church is. And here, here's the, another thing. The local church is not a spectator sport. It, it's not something you watch. Okay, it's not something you think, oh, I'll help them fund it. I'll give a little and let them go fulfill the commission, the mission of the church. The local church is a body of believers, and when you are a member what did Paul say about members of the church? We are members of a body, and a body works. And each person has certain gifts and roles, and, and, and like somebody's going to be the feet, somebody's going to be the arms, somebody's going to be you know, the elbow, somebody's going to be the loud mouth, somebody's going to be like, somebody's going to listen. 
right? And somebody's going to be these parts of the body. And, and until every believer steps up and says, I'm a disciple, that means I'm going to be making disciples. That means I'm part of this. Like this, the mission statement of our church uh, is spreading the good news of Jesus Christ, equipping believers to become leaders, uniting believers in our community by demonstrating compassion for our neighbors. Like as long as you just see that, oh yeah, that church I go to, that's their mission statement. What I'd like to just today, to because this is a foundation we're laying, is I'd like for you to just pause for a minute. And I want you to imagine this mission statement as part of your life. That if, if you're part of this church, this you've been attending for several weeks or months or years or from the beginning, whatever it is, this is, we didn't make this up. This is straight from God's word. Your mission is to spread the good news of Jesus Christ to equip believers to become leaders. That means discipleship, help them grow in their faith. And we're going to find Jesus make these calls over and over for us to love one another, love our neighbor, love the community, and serve all under the heading of the discipleship. So with this thought, the fuel, the, the focused form of our mission, here's what I want where we got to start, is if you have uh, experienced the risen Jesus, if you've experienced him, and, you, and if you've not, you're saying this is what, is, what are you even talking about? If you have not experienced him, if you've not given your life to him, then, then this is hard to get a hold of. That's step one. Just give your heart to Christ. But once we've accepted him, we could be like everybody else and just get up every morning, brush our teeth sometimes, and, uh, and eat breakfast sometimes, and get to work, hopefully, uh, on time. Or get to class on time. And we can just be like everybody else. We're just going and doing our thing. Then we get home and like, I did my thing today. I clocked in. I clocked out. Now I'm home. Now I'm going to get in the recliner. Now I'm going to watch Everybody Loves Raymond or Jeopardy or whatever you do. And you, you eat dinner and then you go to bed and then you get up and then you do your thing. And then you go to work or class and you come home and then you... Or you can realize right here in Acts, this is in my Bible, and I, I wrote a few words under it. This is the same verse I read to you earlier. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. You realize what he was speaking to the church then is like, I've called a certain people in a certain time in a certain place. Church, the word is technically ecclesiastes. Ecclesia. It means the called out. And so you can realize if God has called you and put in your heart, in your life, like all the chaos we felt for the last year and a half, that feels like total, like everything's completely out of control. You can be true that God is sovereign. You, and maybe we could realize that I'm not just going through the motions every day. That I'm called to go unto the nations. 
that I could be praying every morning and say, God, show me on my way to work the people at Double Quick that I'm going to bump into. God, show me the co-worker that I've been working with that I've not really been paying attention to, but they are suffering depression and they're barely getting through and they, they just need me to bring lunch back to them or they, they need some flowers or they need whatever. And, and say, God, just today where I'm at and what you've called me into, you show me, let me join you in your mission to reach the nations. And you can realize that, that actually there's without a doubt, you can't debate it. The, those that are following Christ at this moment in this town are called to this town in this moment, in this season. And that's you and it's me. And here's, here's where we get to if you read on. After he said this, he was taken up before the very eyes in a cloud hit him from their sight. And you know what they did? They just stood there. Man, they stood there thinking a lot of things. Like, oh, we were following you, Jesus. We believed you, but now you're gone. <laughs> and the angel literally talks to him. It's the men of Galilee. They said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who's been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. There's a timeline on this. Jesus is coming back. We don't know when. We don't know the hour. We don't know that. All we know is we have a commission to go disciple. It's to go into the nations and share good news with them. And so I, I, to help you get some context, I just wrote here, Jesus said witnesses in Jerusalem. That was their hometown, Pikeville. And in all Judea, that was like the surrounding area. That would have been like Pike County for us or the big sandy region. That's the river out here. It's four or five counties. And it says in Samaria, that was people really they didn't like. It was kind of close by. Kind of like people from Paintsville. <laughs> I grew up in Sowersville. Like we grew up in one thing to know about people from Paintsville. Don't like them. That was it. Maybe Belfry's the right thing to say here. Go to Belfry, you're like, nope, I'm out. You're like, Jonah. And to the ends of the earth. So your call, as we wake up in prayer every day, and your vocation might be to go into the classroom. People say that they've taken God out of the schools Man, I see his people all over that place. Teaching, loving kids, caring, kids, caring for kids. Like, he is not out of the school. I promise you that. Like, he's got, he's got little spies everywhere. <laughs> it might be go to the hospital or go to the doctor's office. It might be go to the construction site. It might be go run your business. Whatever it is, you've got to see it as a mission field. And here's what I want to ask you, and here's the, the, what God's put on my heart to start this series out. It's in Deuteronomy, Paul, Mo, Moses was writing about the time that, that they were getting ready to go over into the promised land, and, and they wanted to send some spies over. You remember that story? And, and, and God lets them send some spies over to explore 
And instead of exploring, they examined. There's a difference in that. When God has told you somewhere to go and you just want to go see it and what it's going to be like and, and just get excited for it. And instead they went and looked at it and, uh, hey, those are giants. And they made it like judgment, like, oh, that giant is too big for me. We can't do that. God can't do that. We got to stay here. But here's what he said in uh, Deuteronomy 1.5. East of the Jordan in the territory of Moab, Moses began to expound this law, saying, The Lord our God said to us at Horeb, You have stayed long enough at this mountain. You've stayed long enough at your spiritual maturity. You've stayed long enough at this place where you are in life. You've stayed long enough in this season. New beginnings, you are at a season of change and growth and multiplication. Not for new beginnings benefit, but for kingdom benefit. And here's what he said. You've stayed long enough at this mountain. Break camp and advance. With all belief. That God has fueled this mission with lasered focus of discipling through the local church. Let me give you an example of what happens when y'all act like this. Because you do it. This is from a teacher. Uh, I probably can't read it without crying. Probably. I can't even look at it without crying. Whew. All right, give me a second. Because um, some people looked to see what God was doing. And this is a message we got, Adam got from a, a teacher. Hi, Adam. Hope you are enjoying your summer. Just want to share something. With you last week during summer school, a fourth grade—I can't read it. This is—I don't do this. I'm not crying. A fourth grade student came to school overly excited and bubbly. She couldn't stop talking about vacation Bible school at this church in town. Her excitement led the conversations in my class daily, and I watched her connect with some other students who were also attending. In a way, I had not seen her connect with any of her peers all year. Her mom left over a year ago, and she now resides with a stepfather. I'm sure he tries the best way he knows how, but the home life is difficult at best. One day she told us how she took her phone so her dad could text her if he wanted to know where they were. Another student said, he didn't know you were there. She said, no. But I had this so I could tell him so he wouldn't worry. Another student said, then how did you get there? She replied that the bus had picked them up. She proceeded to tell how she got her two other siblings ready so they would look nice, a kindergarten brother and a second grade sister. During our field trip to Gaddy's, we found that she had never been there. We had to show her how to use the card to play games. We only gave them a $10 card each, so there's no way they could acquire many points to purchase much from the store. Yet God, as always, shows up in a big way, and she won 1,000 points in one game. You just can't make this stuff up, nor can anybody convince me this was just luck. When she spends her points, she gets her stepfather the biggest gift, both her siblings a gift, and herself a little something 
last. As she's leaving today, she's talking with excitement about coming to church tonight. It's Wednesday, June 30th. The church is New Beginnings. I hope you know that your church exemplifies what it truly means to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And with a grateful heart, I'm sending praises up for you. I have no doubt that this girl's life is forever changed. May God shower you all the blessings beyond measure as you continue to do great things for him. There are just no words that could truly express how truly thankful I am for churches like yours who reach out and welcome any of God's children, young or old, rich or poor. And I mean truly welcome. God's face is all over everything you all are doing. My heart is full. Our community is surely blessed. Just wanted you to know. God, show us what you're doing. Reveal to us who you're longing for. God, bring those that need you into our presence. Let us be willing to go to them. Prepare our hearts, their hearts, for what you're doing. God, let us not grow weary in doing good. For we know that if we faint not, we will reap what we sow. God, let us put all that we do under the heading of all caps and exclamation point, disciple. God, we trust you in this season. We hear you call. And we're willing to go. And we know every time we do, it makes a difference. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.